As some of you know, I grew up pretty religious. And almost every time I vented or confided in a Christian friend, family member, or member of the church about a problem I was having or something I was stressing about, I'd usually get asked, well, how's your relationship with Jesus? Or how often are you praying? Not only are these questions super loaded, but they're also judgmental in tone and very dismissive. Basically, they were inferring that, well, if you were closer to Jesus, then you wouldn't have these problems. First off, that's not how Jesus works. Second, as I've grown older, I've realized that the relationship that I was needing to pursue wasn't directly with the creator of the universe, but with me, which some would say are the same thing. Not that I'm God, but I am a piece of the universe, and the only piece of the universe that God or universal intelligence or whatever you want to call a higher being has put me in charge of completely. So after 35 plus years of going to people with my problems, I started checking in with the person I never checked in with before. Me. I would ask myself, how's my relationship with me? And usually, if I was falling into destructive habits or codependent behavior, anxiety, spirals, in those instances, my relationship with myself was typically on the back burner. Over the course of this podcast, you've heard me talk little by little about how your relationship with yourself is the only lifelong relationship you can truly count on. And it's true. I don't say that to bum you out or make you feel like you can't trust another human. Quite the opposite. Once you throw your energy at having a true, honest, loving relationship with you, so many things fall into place. Anxiety is reduced. You're less affected by petty outside drama. The type of person or behavior you start allowing in your life changes. And you get a handle on the story that your ego is telling you, which isn't always the truth. It's very in right now to talk or post online about self-love and self-care. And I think that's an amazing thing, especially considering how long society has gone talking about how you find your worth and value in the external. But so much of our happiness, our peace, our joy, it's an inside job. The call is coming from inside the house freaking answer it already. I'll speak from my own experience here. I was so bad at knowing myself for so long. In some ways, I've really just begun. For most of my life, like up until a few years ago even, I thought it was incredibly selfish to consider myself and to take care of my own needs. You know, that was my parents' job or my friends or my wife at the time's job. Growing up religious, I was never taught to trust myself or look within. It was all about looking to God for everything, and to look within, but only if Jesus was in there, which directly taught me to constantly look to external for validation for everything, my worth, my value, I mean, everything. It was out there, and I needed to go and get it from other people or other things or other pursuits and store it inside. Asking myself what I wanted or needed was considered selfish, but someone else asking me that same thing was considerate. So I would just manipulate my relationships I was in and passive-aggressively get people to check on me. Sound familiar? If it does, pay attention. I'll break it down some. Here are a few of the steps I took to grow and maintain a relationship with myself over the last few years. And maybe it'll work for you too. I know they work for me because when I don't do them, turmoil ensues. A couple years ago, I was at Lowe's with my girlfriend and to be funny, I stopped in the mirror section and did the Stuart Smalley SNL positive affirmation thing. You know, the you're good enough, smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. 
But instead, I said, you're stupid, you're ugly, and nobody really loves you, and just kept walking. You know, like a jackass. My girlfriend immediately was like, nope, nuh-uh, go back and say it again. She was not amused. I was beating up a person she loved, and she was not going to stand for it. So I jokingly went back to the mirror and smirked. She saw that I was going to be a jackass and repeat the earlier statement again. That's when she stopped, pointed at the mirror, and said, say nice things to him. Tell him you love him. And I stared into my eyes in the mirror, and I couldn't do it. I even tried, as a joke, but instead became incredibly emotional in the middle of lows. That moment was revelatory for me. Thanks, Suzanne. I had realized that when I said the negative things in the mirror, I was just mirroring, pun intended, the voices that were already in my head. And further, if I was going to have a good relationship with myself, I had to stop the negative self-talk. So I made a plan. I didn't stop all at once. I took January off from it, which sounds funny to say out loud. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to take a month from being in a shithead to myself and be nice for a change. But seriously, I did a dry January, but instead of taking a break from booze, I took a break from how I normally talk to myself. I found if I made a mistake or was trying out a new venture, negative thoughts would so quickly pop up and shoot me down. Thoughts like, this is just going to be another screw up like last time. Or what makes you so special that you think you can succeed at this? And so on and so on. I was talking to myself like I was both the bully on the playground and the nerd about to get a swirly. So many of these negative voices in my head weren't even mine, which pissed me off even more. They were voices of old bosses who were dicks to me, or comments I'd read online before, or people who had projected their fears onto me in my life. You know when someone, even a stranger, says something to you flippantly, that directly hits an insecurity, and you're like, whoa, how do they know? They don't. They are being dicks. But we give so much power to those and log them away as gospel fact when they're just insecurities. And so many of these insecurities aren't even ours. They're our parents, or our friends, or our teachers, or bosses. They put ideas in our heads, and then we carry them around, sometimes forever. It's time to drop them. They aren't true. And even if some of them are kind of true, they definitely don't define us. So who cares? Leave them be. So I took January and decided to be nicer to myself. If I made a mistake, I inserted the thought, eh, that's okay. Everyone makes mistakes. Just do your best, man. You're good. Or if I misspoke, I'd insert the thought, ah, oh well. Just apologize to them, be honest, and move forward with this new information. Inserting positive self-talk instead of negative was replacing the shitty bully in my head with a best friend who believed in the best in me. It was hard at first, like really hard, but like any new habit, it wasn't long before it took over. And guess what? I never went back. I'm not perfect at it, but it's an overall win and has made a huge difference in how I live my life. I've mentioned this before and people cringe, but if you look yourself in the eyes in the mirror, even at Lowe's, and say, I love you over and over, it has the same effect on you as if another person is saying it. Seriously, part of your brain knows it's you, but also kind of doesn't know it's you. It's a magic trick. It feels real vulnerable and stupid at first, but damn, what a difference it makes. I do it a lot now. I say nice things to myself in the mirror at home. I say, I got you, or you're going to be okay to the rearview mirror in my car. 
Or just give yourself a wink or a knowing nod. Send messages to yourself. Show yourself that you have your back. Again, it feels real stupid at first, but what you get in return is worth it. Another thing I did to cultivate a relationship with myself was morning pages. I adopted this one initially to stir up creativity since the idea was from the book The Artist's Way, but I've continued to use it as a personal tool to get to know myself. Basically, the first thing I do when I wake up, before I check my phone or email even, is I sit down and free write three pages of whatever is on my mind. The only rule is to tell the truth and not judge my words. Sometimes I do exercises or writing prompts, but the pages are always about me and what I'm thinking about at that current moment. It usually starts with how tired I am since I just woke up and how I'm not in the mood to write these pages right now. But quickly, I'm off writing things and often some of the things that come out are things I didn't even realize are inside me. Since the only rules to tell the truth and not judge what I write or my handwriting, some of the things that come out surprise me. I can't state enough how much this has helped understand problems I'm having or process things I'm stressing about. And also does another really important thing. It validates my thoughts by taking them and putting them into physical form. The power of that is small, but effective. After I'm done with the three pages, I throw them away. You can do the same thing with journaling. You can keep them if you want as a log and go back and look at them. But for me personally, I just ditch them. Write letters to yourself. Talk to yourself as if you're the person who loves you most. Because you should be. Don't judge. Be curious. And accept every part of yourself. Because it's what makes you, you. That leads to the next part. I gave up self-judgment and replaced it instead with self-curiosity. It's so easy to judge. And in a petty way, it's super fun. It's why everyone enjoys people watching at the airport. It's initially a survival technique that lives deep inside our DNA makeup. We judge people on the street as they approach us to see if they seem like a threat and if we need to cross the street before they get to us. We judge cars in the next lane to see if they're the proper distance from our car and if we need to make the appropriate moves to stay safe and arrive at our destination unscathed. We judge first dates if they show up in a tap-out t-shirt and Crocs. Judging is a part of the game as a human. Judging isn't all bad either. It's taking in information and basing them off past experiences we've had and whether or not we felt safe in those situations. Like if you grew up going with your dad to biker bars as a kid, then people in leather and loud engines are going to feel safe and familiar. While someone who grew up more conservative and sheltered might be scared of that nightlife and would feel threatened in that scenario. But if you've done the work to know that just because your brain scans an environment or situation and labels it as new to you, it doesn't automatically make it a threat or immediately scary. If you enter new situations with curiosity, that sheltered conservative kid might quickly learn that the biker dudes at the bar have Game of Thrones tattoos, are pretty nerdy, and are big softies with three kids at home that they adore. The same goes with your relationship with yourself. If you start poking around inside your own story, and instead of judging every move you make, or word you say, or action you make in new environments, but instead approach it with curiosity, you'll not only learn more about yourself, you'll be way more accepting and loving of your story. This has happened to me time and time again. When I get stuck in traffic, heading to Target for example, I immediately want to honk and zoom around the shoulder to skip ahead of the other cars. I mean, the audacity. I mean, don't these cars know that I have to get to Target so I can walk aimlessly around and spend $40 on nonsense? I get so frustrated. And now, I try to take a moment and be like, whoa, 
My body really tensed up just now when traffic stalled. Why am I in such a hurry? It's just Target. It'll be there when I get there. Everything is okay. And really start taking a look at how I impulsively react to things. Almost like I'm a scientist and I'm studying myself. Leading with curiosity instead of judgment has changed the way that I see and experience the world. In other words, it's changed my life. Another big part of developing a healthy relationship with myself was spending intentional time alone. I grew up pretty codependent, and I am an Enneagram too, which lends itself to being a helper as a part of my identity. So if I'm alone, who can I help? The answer is, you guessed it, me. Living alone, taking time to do activities alone, going to movies or concerts alone, allowed me to really take stock in how I thought about things without running them by others or constantly distracting myself in conversations. I mean, I went from my parents' house to a house with roommates to a house with my wife to divorce, but quickly into another relationship where we moved in together. And while I loved living with some of those people, it was important to live alone to prove to myself that it wasn't the end of the world if I did. Being alone is not a prison sentence. I was perfectly capable of taking care of myself and my own needs without constantly looking to others for help. I just didn't know it. After all, I'm a helper, so I'm good at it. So turn that camera around and zoom in tight. There's plenty of helping to do. Another big part of this living alone thing was not always having the TV or music on. It can be good for atmosphere or to feel like you're not alone sometimes to have music playing all the time or a show on in the background. But for me, I realized I was using it as a crutch. So I made sure that when I put on a podcast or a movie, it was intentional and not to distract from my own feelings or thoughts. Because my thoughts had value and things to tell me, and it was important that I pay attention to them. Plus, not distracting myself with my phone and TV all the time, I learned a great deal about my patterns, my needs, impulses, how to self-soothe, how to regulate my emotions, and be good by just being. No need to distract or entertain all the time. I'm okay. I'm okay. The last big thing that I did to cultivate a good relationship with myself was form new morning and evening habits. I talked about the morning pages thing, but that was a part of a bigger thing. My mornings are sacred and so are my nights. I make sure and start them intentionally with things that make me feel grounded and in my body. I move my body, either taking walks or going to the gym. I write my morning pages. I drink lots of water. And if I do watch something, it's a TED Talk or a meditation of some kind. All of this takes maybe 90 minutes, and my days are so much better when I do this routine than when I skip it. And at night, I try and write a list of gratitudes. Practicing gratitude has been proven as the life hack above all life hacks to reduce anxiety, get your head out of the comparison game, to feel at peace, and so many other benefits. I write as many things that I can think of that I'm thankful for in my life. And get specific. It can be easy to write, I'm thankful for food and my friends, blah, blah, blah. But instead, I write, I'm thankful for my food choices today. I chose good, healthy things that give my body what they need to feel strong or able. Or even if I didn't make good food choices, I forgive myself and become grateful for self-forgiveness. How's that for a reframe? Pay attention to how you feel when you do things in your life. Do things with intention because you want to do them. Check in with your mind and your body. Listen to your gut. And as the Avid brothers sing, tell the truth to yourself and the rest will fall in place. Self-truths can be tough, freaking brutal. 
because it means we have to face some hard things about ourselves and do some hard work to get where we want to be. But if you enter in with curiosity and love instead of shame and judgment, you can heal, grow, and completely accept who you are. And nobody can take that away from you. You're He-Man then. You have the power. Does anybody get that reference? The benefits of knowing yourself and not just being good with who you are, but loving who you are, is then you get to share those parts of yourself with your friends, your partner, your loved ones. And then something amazing happens. Your insecurities start to shrink. You're not worried about comparing yourself to others. Your confidence grows. Your anxiety lessens because you realize that the darkest parts of yourself, when shared with those who love you, aren't so scary when you shine a little light on them. You are the only true lifelong relationship you're going to have. And if you do the work to have that self-relationship, you'll find just how lucky you are to have you. Because it turns out, you're pretty great company. Okay, good talk. Now go do your best. And don't read the comments. My name is Nick Flora, and I'm a musician and certified self-development coach. And this, it's Monday Morning Pep Talk. If you'd like to book a one-on-one coaching session with me, go to nickfloracoaching.com or see the contact info in the show notes.